What's going on, everybody? Paul Hickey here with NoOffSeason.com. Welcome to the Sports Card Strategy Show. This is another special episode from the Mint Collective behind the scenes. I thought you guys would like this episode because it is about bringing trading cards to the mainstream. Panini has partnered with Hasbro, and they have launched a Monopoly Prism NBA trading card game. I got two of the packs right here for being at the Mint Collective of the cards. There's going to be Prism blaster boxes complete with parallels for collectors. And then you use those cards to play the game, uh, the Monopoly board game. Uh, it's pre-sold out at Target, unfortunately, but uh, you'll see it at your local Target stores. They will explain that in this session. And uh, this is Jason Holworth from Panini America. Um, Josh Goodstat from the NBA PA could not make it, but Alex Forti from Hasbro, Hasbro Gaming and Monopoly uh, did a great job, and it was moderated by Tracy Hackler from Roadshow Cards. I apologize in advance if the audio is weird, but um, I filmed this, and I am now streaming this live for you uh, from behind the scenes at the Mint Collective. So those of you watching and listening, I hope you get a lot out of this session I'm going to hand it over to Tracy Hackler now. Thanks, Tracy. Panel of uh, uh, Monopoly Prism NBA Board Game Edition. Two special gentlemen to my left, Jason Howarth, the Senior Vice President of Marketing and Digital for Panini America. Welcome. And then the spectacularly dressed Alex Forty. <laughs> From uh, Monopoly Hasbro Gaming. He's representing Mr. Monopoly. Looking dapper and shiz mashed. Yes. Got the whole thing. You guys are spectacular. I love it. Um, so, for the better part of 10 years, no secret that the Prism NBA brand has monopolized collector attention. Uh, so, it only seems fitting that it is now immortalized in the Monopoly iconic board game. So I want to start just from the beginning. What made this union of Prism and Monopoly make sense? I'll start with you, Jay. <clears throat> uh, it's, it's interesting. When I first started at Panini, we launched a trading card game called Adrenaline uh, with the NBA, and it was challenging. Uh, the one thing I always thought was that if there was a board game element tied to a trading card game that was iconic, it would make a ton of sense. And so when Hasbro approached us, about the idea of partnering together to bring Monopoly, Prism, and NBA trading cards together under one roof, I thought this is the perfect union. So for me, like Monopoly has always been a brand of owning it all, throwing large sums of money around, set collection. And when you look at like the overall industry of like the trading cards and everything, you start looking at Prism and you're like, these guys are the best in the game, high-end cards, insane variations, like you want to collect them all, like this makes so much sense for Monopoly as a premium partnership that we can really make sing with all kinds of insane card combos and it's a real cool collaboration. When you, when you were conceptualizing the idea, did you know Prism was the brand that you wanted or did that just kind of come about? This is a great question. So, I want to know the truth to yeah, this one. No, I'll, I'll give you the truth. So I'll cop to this. I am very new to the sports collectibles industry. I am a longtime collector of other things, action figures, comic books, all that stuff. So I have that collector mentality. 
But the one thing I knew, I'm sitting in the heart of the pandemic, right? Everybody is collecting everything at this point, like myself included. And I think it was the, I think it was the week the Tom Brady card sold for a shitload of money. Oh, sorry, a lot of money. Didn't Is that acceptable, Katie? Okay, I think you said that. Sold for a large sum of money, and we had always wanted to do a sports game, you know, sports monopoly, and we always started off with like, oh, fantasy sports, blah, 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 and like, I'm like, anybody playing fantasy sports doesn't want to do that in a board game. They're gonna go and play that online. And I was like, oh man, trading cards, like, that's a natural connection between a board game and a trading card. And like when I came to Jason with the idea, I was just saying like, let's just do the works. Like whatever, whatever designs and stuff we can do, I knew nearly nothing about this, but what I knew I wanted to do was protect the authenticity of the trading cards and ensure that I let the Panini team run with the design work, all the ideas to ensure that they were designed for the collectors. And as we started to dive into the product, figure out how, what consumers we wanted to go after, like we kind of got to a point where we're like, the way we really make this work is with Prism. This is how we make it big, how we make it crazy, really deliver something that all the collectors out there want. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's funny when, when Alex came to me, you know, right away it was like, wow, this could be really incredible. And so you start thinking about the different, different things and you think about how iconic the properties are in Monopoly. You know, and from a trading card perspective, you know, thinking about parallels, you start thinking about like, oh, that'd be amazing if you had like a boardwalk blue and you called it a boardwalk blue. You had all these other things. And so naturally our team marketing connected with our product development team. We talked about that. We know that, you know, Alex and the Hasbro team are the experts in the board game world and the gameplay. We're like, you guys, tell us how the gameplay needs to work. We'll figure out how we make the cards amazing. And so the collaboration right from the very beginning has been absolutely incredible. We've already, obviously in the pandemic, you know, you have, this is actually the first time I've ever met Alex in person. So, which is mind blowing because we've worked on this project for two and a half years. Yep. We've got calls every week. Um, and the first time we meet is here um, to talk about the launch of our product in two weeks, which is insane. Yep. <laughs> so two and a half years process. Yeah. For, for Panini, the marketing folks, the product development folks, what was the most compelling part of this unique marriage between Prism and Hasbro? Look at our blog and look at some of those cards. For us, I mean, I think the thing that was great, and you know, Prism is the most powerful brand in trading cards, right? Like. It is, it's across all our, our sports, it represents all our sports, it's collected all over the globe. And, you know, and we also are very cognizant of making sure that we cater to the, the ultimate piece of DNA in trading cards, which is scarcity. So how do you do something and not oversaturate the prison brand? And when you introduce new parallels that are tied just to Monopoly, with Monopoly branding, and you've got the mon Monopoly designs around the parallels, which I'm sure we'll share, and I know that they're on the blog and Instagram, uh, you see those cards and they are very different from the NBA Prism products. Uh, they're unique and they stand on their own. Yeah. And they're just gonna be something that's gonna be collectible for a long time. So just going back, I, I in a former life, I, I was obviously at Panini, I remember. Yeah, a long time. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I, but I look at the product development guys there, David and Nick and, and DJ as well, and Rob and Tim, and when that product first hit, it was 2011-ish, right? 
And correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't there a lot of people in the collecting universe who were calling for that to go away? It wasn't, it, it, it wasn't performing. It didn't perform, it didn't meet expectations. And then to think about 12 years later, it's now partnered with, it's iconic in itself, and it's partnered with another iconic monopoly. It's, it speaks volumes to how, how the wild growth and reputation of that product. So I would say that's probably like top two of my most favorite receipts in the trading card category is when people told us that we should kill prison. Yeah. Um, thank God we didn't. Uh, <laughs> um, that's an aside. I didn't mean to stray. Uh, so for Hasbro, what made Panini and the Prison Brand such ideal partners for the iconic board game? Because I've got to assume that when you first conceptualized a, a, a monopoly with Prism, you immediately assumed that it wasn't going to be this traditional style of monopoly uh, gameplay. Yeah, um, when we were looking at it, you know, we, we started with the idea, right, of, of sports. Then that evolved into sports plus trading cards and trying to figure out a way to have not only consumers be like, hey, I'm a dad collecting cards, my son loves to collect cards, now we have a board game you can play together using those cards. Like that's the family part that like Hasbro cares about as a company, but overall it was about the collectability. We knew going out of the gate we wanted to go with the NBA for the global appeal and just honestly like the if you think of the lifestyle of like NBA players, this idea of affluence and shiny and like just cool designs and like all this stuff, it just totally fit with the Prism brand, with the Monopoly brand, and bringing those two together, it just was, when you saw the designs come to life, it felt like a match made in heaven and like a, why haven't we done this yet? And I think like that was, I remember seeing the card designs for the first time and knew that this was the right decision and the thing we should have been doing all along, and now we have like a bright future ahead of us after the launch of this game. It's a great. Alex brings up a great point. The you know why hasn't why hasn't this been done before? And and you know Josh from the NBA Players Association was supposed to be here. They're hopefully working on a long-term CBA that might be signed later tonight. If you read the news, so <laughs> I I let him skip out on the one-hour panel here um, to get long-term CBA stability, but, um, you know, when we were thinking about it, it was like, okay, well, the reason why it hasn't been done before is because there are multiple parties that have to all agree and work on the same path and say that, yes, this is a good plan. And so, you know, there are two other partners that are, that are part of this process that aren't here on stage with us, which is the NBA and the NBA Players Association. And so, you know, naturally, my first thought after, you know, 14 years of Panini is like, okay, how are we gonna sell this? You know, how do we sell this internally to them to tell them like, hey, this is amazing. This is another way to raise, raise and elevate the, the NBA brand, elevate the trading card brand with Prism, elevate the players. How do we do that? And still make sure that everyone is good from the, the messy stuff that happens behind the scenes, right? And so we got them on board. We were fortunate that someone at the NBA Players Association was a huge Monopoly fanatic. And so right out of the gate, they're like, this is incredible. I love this. I was like, wow, that was way easier than I thought. <laughs> um, you know, but going through that whole process and then, you know, balancing back and forth and like even figuring out on the board and, you know, I know you'll pull that up here in a minute, but, you know, changing the board and how do we make this an NBA game and make it feel like an NBA game 
so that instead of winning properties like Boardwalk, and I keep using that as an example, yeah, sorry. The best space. I know. <laughs> so, um, you know, how do you bring that into the NBA space? So, you know, you in, in this game, you're battling in arenas. So it's NBA arenas as opposed to winning properties. You're winning arenas. And so, you know, there was a whole bunch of dynamic conversation because because Monopoly is so iconic in what the various properties stand for. There are some that are way better and some that are not. Yeah. And how do you do that? And so we, we were able to get around that challenge um, and, you know, and basically build it into you're battling in, in arenas and that's what you're doing. You're winning arenas. And so it, made, it just made logically made so much sense. And we made sure that every team was represented as best we possibly could. Um, you know the parallels that are in the in the in the booster boxes. Um, they're the color the color parallels are tied to the you know the colors that are used on Monopoly properties that have been iconic for yeah, I don't even know how long since thirty five since nineteen thirty five yeah so long time <laughs> almost, almost a hundred years I'm not good at math but almost a hundred years yeah close close, close. Um, so. <laughs> Alex, how, how is the gameplay similar to what traditional Monopoly loyalists know, and how dramatically different is it? It's going to feel familiar, but if you're also a fan of NBA and the idea of competition, it's going to feel like an, an incredibly unique spin. Like, if you want, I can kind of take you through a full product overview, gameplay ideas. Yeah, exactly, you know, it's a great transition there. Um, so let's see if I can make this work. All right, here we go. All right, I'm going to take you guys through kind of the entirety of the uh, Monopoly uh, Prism NBA Edition product and product line. Um, as we start this off, like the main goals here for us were a level of authenticity, competition, and collectability. So we wanted to carry that through the product and really deliver something that fans would absolutely love, both fans of Monopoly, fans of the NBA, and fans of Prism. So, in terms of a general product overview, we have two products that we're gonna be launching. Um, we have our board game. So this is our full Monopoly board game. In this game, you get a starter set of cards as well as two Panini Prism packs. So one set of the cards is locked, you get that in every game. And that's so, you know, when you're playing with your family, you have something that you know is gonna be inside the box. And kids especially can be like, oh, this is awesome, I got my favorite player. Look, I got a Giannis in this. Um, but then we also have the randomized booster packs and an exclusive parallel that's only in the board game. Um, and then, this is for all of the collectors out there. Um, while we want to deliver on a board game for families, we also want to ensure that the collectors had something to go after. So we have a booster box full entirely of exclusive Monopoly Prism cards, and uh, Panini is also going to have their own version of an exclusive booster that has other exclusive parallels in it. So even if you don't want the board game, you can still go out and buy that booster box and have something amazing. So just an overall view of the... But just, just to add to that, the booster cards, they do elevate the gameplay. So yeah. if you'd like to play with your cards with All interchangeable. Highly, highly collectible parallels, you're welcome to do that. It will elevate your gameplay. Yeah. But there's going to be some really valuable stuff in there and just incredible. So when we talk about just like the overall components and how it differs from the normal <laughs> Monopoly. So instead of our property spaces, we have these NBA... Uh, game cards. So these are the arenas that you're battling in, and we tried to set it up with matchups between all the NBA teams. 
We did it as an East Coast, West Coast style mashup, so then that way you have East teams and West teams battling it out, and those are the arenas you're competing in. We have our starter pack of cards, two prison packs, so you're gonna get 16 cards total in the board game. Um, and then we've introduced these things called playmaker cards and all-star contest cards, which I'll get into. And instead of traditional money, you play for points, just you know, like in an NBA game. And then we have these cool basketball tokens that are um, designed after the NBA league uh, icon and a general you know, basketball. So let's take a look at the board. So the board's really cool. Um, we have our properties going around the board, which are these games, and when I talk about the East-West matchup, you guys can argue about some of this, but we really dove in and tried to look at the historical success of all the NBA teams and match them up in kind of, I don't know if legendary matchups, I guess. Um, so as you go around the board heading towards Boardwalk, you know, our top two property spaces, being from Boston, I'm very happy about this. We got Boston versus the Lakers up here um, in that what would normally be Park Place, and then you end at the NBA Finals. Um, but you'll see some of these matchups around the board, and that's what you're trying to collect. Um, but kind of the biggest innovation here is this center of the game board. So this is where you're gonna use your Panini uh, Prism cards uh, with the player stats to battle it out in different events. So the way this game starts is you're gonna draft your team. So you open up your packs, rip them open, Place them all out on the table so you can see all the players you have to choose from. Each player is going to choose four players for their team. That's going to be three starters and one reserve player. And they're going to be used throughout the game in different types of matchups. And really our thought process here is we know that people play fantasy sports. People love looking at stats. Uh, people play NBA 2K. Um, and really know that players you know, have different types of player ratings and stuff. So, what we wanted to do is protect the authenticity of the collectible in terms of the cards and minimize kind of like the interference of the gameplay. So this didn't feel like a TCG, didn't feel like a trading card game. It could feel like an authentic trading card with player stats on the back that feel unobtrusive and kind of blend into what you're traditionally used to seeing on the back of a card. So players have a player rating and then you're gonna see three different scales. You're gonna see offense, defense, and skills, so like their ability to dunk or dribble, you know, those type of things. And the way this works is the stats matter. So in each of the matchups, you're gonna have things where you're, you know, battling it out for player rating. So here's Giannis versus Luca. Giannis has a 95 player rating, Luca's got a 93, so Giannis is gonna win that matchup. Um, but you may also be asked to battle out on offense, on defense, and a variety of things. So where this comes into play, is you're not gonna be able to just simply purchase properties in this game. When you land on one of these games, in order to take control of it, you actually have to have a team that has the right stats to be able to win that game. So in the case of this Boston versus LA NBA game, you need to actually have two players that have an offense stat of 82 or higher. So here we got Ja and Donovan Mitchell, and both those players have a high enough player rating, so now you're able to purchase the property. So this is, throughout the game, you're gonna have to do some team management and ensure that your starters or your reserve players have the proper stats in order to be able to buy those NBA games that you want. Now, the thing I love about any type of NBA matchup is kind of how the game swings, and you see different players taking control, different players dunking on each other, um, 
people getting flagrant fouls, all these things. So we introduced these playmaker cards. So you may be used to chance and community chess cards in Monopoly. We actually introduced these things as a way of having different one-on-one -on -one challenges with other players. So in the example of like the posterized dunk, you can actually call out one of the other players, challenge them to that. You choose one of your player cards to sit in front of you, and then at the same time, you both flip that player card, and whoever has the, um, it's skills versus defense. So you look at the stat battle there, and then if you win, you can actually steal one of the properties from another player, but if you lose, you actually have to swap someone out from your team into the reserve spot. So if someone on your team isn't playing up to snuff, you've got to switch them out and uh, really manage that team as you go. Just to add to that, William, get, get it up here. The other thing that was really cool is the collaboration on some of the design elements of just the, just the yeah, regular yeah. Game, game cards, right? So we made sure that we incorporated things that were like iconic within you know, the trading card brand. And so like the, you see the color glass here. Up here, you've got it, you know, on the card for Playmaker. You've got it on the board for Playmaker. You've got it for the Prism Trade. So we, we made sure that that fit within there. And, and you know, Monopoly, the Monopoly team was like, absolutely, this makes a ton of sense. We need to do that. We want to bring that into the palette. So uh, that part was really cool. Again, just reinforcing the collaboration. And speaking of that Prism Trade spot, throughout the game, if you land on that location. Um, you're actually forced to trade one of your players with another, well, one of your cards with another player. So this way, throughout the game, your team is constantly changing. Those cards are changing hands. You're going to have more exciting matchups that way and really like instill a level of competition there. Because the highlight of this game that I talked about is this idea of this one-on-one -on -one competition. Um, so every time you're ready to pass go, you're actually going to stop on go. So it's not pass go, collect $200 in this game. It's stop on go and compete in an all-star challenge. So here we've got our highest level challenge, which is the slam dunk contest. You know, it's kind of iconic to all-star weekend um, in the NBA. Um, but in this type of competition, two players will go head to head in center court. They put down a team of three players next to each other one by one, kind of like a waterfall in uh, Texas Hold'em. You flip those cards over, revealing your stats that you're battling it out for, and best two out of three wins. Um, so then that way you can kind of go head to head with these challenges and really compete with everyone. At the end of the day, the goal of this is to collect, trade, and win. And that's really how we've mashed together the idea of collectible prison trading cards with the gameplay and the competition of Monopoly and the NBA. So when you're, when you're forced to trade your cards, do you get those back? You might. That's you might lose them forever. <laughs> so you're gonna, yeah, that's a, it's a high-stakes game. <laughs> you don't mess around with <laughs> You probably want to establish, if you're playing with your friends and not your family, or even with your family, you probably want to establish the rules before you go in. Like, okay, if we actually trade, I still get my cards back, right? Yeah, or yeah. you end up getting to keep my my you know my money monopoly man. <laughs> yeah, genre. Like, and and actually, like what I, on that note, like if you get the board game, you get some of these blaster boxes, new cards. Now you have a giant set of cards and pool to choose from. So you guys can actually play for keeps in this type of game with your team. Whoever wins the game gets to take all the cards, and you know it can really make it a high stakes competition. 
They're gonna like have to get more touches and yes, like yeah, 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 Jimmy May, and I'm, I'm sorry to let you know on the board, I didn't say Kentucky Avenue, so oh. it's, gonna, it's gonna be a long Christmas. We, um, we represented the color, though, Jimmy. <laughs> so, so speaking of colors, that's a great segue. So, Scotty Persia, dear friend of mine, who worked on one of the prisms, I wanted to go over some of the, the colorful, because what a lot of collectors want to know is what are the prisms look like. And, yeah. And so just a few things that Scotty said, um, uh, that the parallels, the prison parallels were inspired by the game itself, obviously, using a lot of the same PMS colors. So brown, light blue, pink, orange, red, gold, green, and boardwalk blue are the same PMS colors as the spaces on the board game. So those are all prison parallels within the various skews of the product. Uh, Money Shimmer, that sounds cool, it's a new name that we'll see all over social at some point. Money Shimmer is the same PMS color and numbering as the money in the game itself. There's a gold number to 500, red number to 100, purple number to 50, green number to 20, blue number to 10, pink number to 5, and the white one of one. Tiger Stripe is boardwalk blue. So we have blue Tiger Stripe now, which I don't think has ever been done. Is that correct? That's uh, history being made. Um, Monopoly Man, the gentleman on Alex's shirt and his hat. Uh, and the Monopoly Man question mark dice deal and gold wave m money are all iconic Monopoly images. Um, the Monopoly Black parallel is exclusive to the board game. The free parking uh, parallel is exclusive to iCollect Blasters. The money black insert is exclusive to Target Blasters. And money white insert is exclusive to iCollect. So just real geeky collector talk. Um, on the colors of the parallels, but that's what yeah. a lot of that really resonates with collectors who are used to the greens and the golds and the the black and golds and things like that. So yeah, and you can see some of those on the blog post from this morning and, and the Instagram gallery that yes, a lot of it's not already up, but um, you'll see some of those images in there, so you get a real sense for what the product looks like. But it's absolutely amazing. So. Yeah, they look really good. Um, so I, so Alex, um, you guys are no no stranger to license partnerships, but but before the big boom of the of the industry, had you guys contemplated or entertained a, a trading card endeavor like this before? No, I, I don't think anybody ever thought of it. I mean, the thing about trading cards and trading card games is like, as everyone out here knows, it's incredibly hard to break in to that industry without already established properties and stuff. And like, Obviously at Hasbro, like we own Magic the Gathering, right? Like, so we're very used to having a trading card, you know, in our overall portfolio. But um, I think what made this like truly groundbreaking was us coming to the table and being like, we can't do this. We can't do this the best. Like, if we're gonna do this, we gotta do it right. Prism, Panini, these are the guys that we wanna team up with. And like trying to convince, you know, a big company that is a leader in the game space and makes trading cards of a different sort that, yeah, we should go to another trading card company and work with them because they're the best at doing that. Like, I think we're in the age of like, collaborations across the board are breaking down those barriers and being like, the right thing to do and the right product to make is actually to team up, not to compete with each other. And that's what was like important to us. And you know, like we've said a million times already, like it was the right thing to do. Yeah, I still. That, I mean, that's the one thing that kind of stands out in that very first call when when we talked to you guys. Like the, you said right from the very beginning, it was like, 
we're not going to do this product if you guys don't want to be a part of it. Yeah. Like that was literally the that was the first thing they said to me. I was like, whoa, okay, well, I'm going to pay attention here. Like, yeah. What is this thing? I mean, obviously everyone knows Monopoly, so it was like, okay, this is cool to begin with. So, and I, to to Alex's point on the collaboration part of it, I mean. It, it hadn't been done before because there's so many other dynamics in play, whether it's the trading card manufacturer from a sports perspective, dealing with a big brand, you know, company like Hasbro, and all the thing, all the politics that has to has to be navigated through that to like to be able to just push that stuff aside and get in, and it's probably why we're on weekly calls. Yep. Right. But like, I mean, to be able to push that stuff aside to like bring this to life, we've had, you know little speed bumps here and there, but we work through the speed bumps because we're, we're committed to saying like, no, this is gonna be the best thing we launch. This yeah. is gonna be incredible. So like the speed bump over here, the, the things that like, the BS that kind of goes on behind the scenes from a politics point of view, fight through it, stay committed to what the plan is, stay committed to the objective, because when this thing goes live, it's gonna be incredible. Yeah, so. and like we obviously started all this development during the pandemic, so we hit a point where finding materials was hard to be able yeah. to launch this. And then that delayed one thing, and then we wanted to make sure we got the rookies into the game. And it's like, okay, then we gotta like delay this a little longer. Like we took the care and the time to make sure we got the product right and got it out with all the correct level of collectability and cards involved. Yeah, one of the most, I, I think I, I speak for Scott and myself, one of the, the best moments of this entire process was when the manufacturing was actually done and we shipped it to them. Those guys were like, <laughs> it was no problem, we celebrated. Like, you, you got it in your hands, it's time to launch, we're done, we got it out of the manufacturing plant. You know, is, you know, you might have heard that manufacturing was challenging like over the last few months or year. Yeah. So, um, you know, knowing that like you have the, and that's the other part, right? Like knowing that you've got this great concept and you're gonna bring it to life, and then there's these other elements, these technical elements that like, oh yeah, we need to make sure that we can print it and get a timeline and make sure that we get it on shelf. It's gonna, you know, launch exclusively at Target. I think pre-order goes live. It should go live today. Oh, it pre-orders live right now, oh. apparently. So they, it, Target collaborated and went pre-order live, you know, uh, in the middle of our panel. So it's there, awesometarget.com. Um, but dedicated end cap, you know, in the toy aisle, I think that's also really yeah. important. Like, where are you gonna find these, the board game, where are you gonna find the, re the, the, the booster boxes? It's gonna be in the toy aisle, not in the trading card aisle. Uh, in Target, uh, there's a end cap that'll be there for three months. Um, you know, so high visibility um, within the toy aisle, within Target, so that's where you're gonna find it. Target does the board game business better than anybody else, which is why it made sense from the Hasbro perspective yeah. to start there. And you say three months, Jason, but we did one production run on this. So once it's gone, it's gone. <laughs> well, yes. So we, we talked about the, you know, again, we talked about making sure we, the, we maintain that level of authenticity to the product. And so talking to the Hasbro people that don't understand trading cards, it was like, no, no, no. If it sells out in three weeks, it means you have to wait until we produce a series two. Like, we're not just gonna go out and print another set of, you know, booster boxes because we can't, we can't because we built in numbering schemes, we built in parallels, we built in all those other things. So, you know, just like any other product in the trading card business on our side from a community perspective, when it sells out, it's a wait to next year proposition, unfortunately, um, or as fast as we can bring in a new element. So, 
you know, we're not going to reprint the booster boxes was in the, you know, what's in that product. When it sells out, it's gone. And so we come up with serious code. Yeah. <clears throat> um, how much did the idea, I, I guess the initial outreach, there was no firm idea of what this would look like. But once you guys started talking and going down the path, how much did it change or, or, or switch up what the final outcome was? So I think like when we started off, we had the game idea. You know, like that's what we do, right? I don't think we knew what the cards were gonna look like. We went through a lot of ideas and iterations, number of parallels. Like we, honestly, like when we started, we started pretty small because we weren't sure what we wanted to actually like bring to the table. And as you're going through this and you're having conversations, you know, with your internal teams, with retailers and stuff, you start to listen to feedback and think about how much bigger we can go and really trying to deliver that fan experience. So I think like what truly changed through this is honestly like the design and the variety and the amount of prism we just injected into this game board, into the look of the game and kind of really trying to deliver that style and that flair and the stuff that collectors are really looking for. Yeah, I think the thing that's mind blowing during that process is like, Everybody's got egos. Brands have egos <laughs> yeah. too, right? Like so, like brands are like, "Hey, no, this is what we do, and this is how we're gonna do it." And we're like, "No, this is what we do, and this is how we do it." Well, we all kind of agreed, like, "Okay, you guys are the experts on the board game side. We're the experts on the trading card side. Let us be the experts on the trading card yeah. side, and let us work on this." And so, you know, work. You know, Scott and the product development team working together to figure out how do we blend this and bring it to life, the parallels, the structure, all those things. You know, so to back to your question, was like I think it evolved. So I, in my head, I was like, "Whoa, this is going to be insane, right?" But I think in your, on your side, you're like, "Okay, we need to figure out what the cards are going to look like." And we went back and forth for a while. I think on like card dynamic. initially too, we were even like really scared to even put the Monopoly logo on the cards themselves because we didn't want to kind of like ruin what. Prism was and what the collectors were used to and it wasn't until Jason Scott the whole design team like brought us like the parallels and we're like no We're putting the Monopoly logo on this and it was like really a way to like make them feel unique and special and like When you saw it all come together it made total sense But in the initial like I was just like I want to make sure people will like this and that they know it's an authentic trading card not some random Monopoly thing we're sticking in the game and it's like working together and having those conversations like we really brought it all together in a thing that made total sense and looks hella cool yeah and i think the other part too was that was you know as you go through that trepidation and that balance of like who owns what and yeah. what designs and what that looks like right like being able to like present like the go insert the dice insert the things that are iconic to the monopoly you know brand since 1935 and being like okay like I don't know, they might be like, you can't use that, right? And so, you know, presenting it to your team and then having you guys be like, wow, this is yeah, incredible, let's go. absolutely <laughs> can't do this. Yeah. Like, it, it just stands on its own. And so, you know, there weren't a lot of hard layers to get through on that part because we're so committed to saying like, what's gonna be the thing that's gonna be the best for the brand overall yeah. and for this product? And so we're all, is, you know, we stayed through that to that whole entire time, you know, in the process so that we could insert, insert you know, the Monopoly Man insert, you know, where you've got the various, you know, the various Monopoly Man logos 
um, around the cards. And, and the board, the, the, the cards just look incredible. Yeah. Well, the Monopoly Man, will that be as RC? Will that be tagged as RC? Well, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, it should be. That might be valuable. There's an insert that has Mr. Monopoly I mean, all over the border of the cards, so that's okay. one scenario. But there's also a card of Mr. Monopoly in there. So, I mean, if, if we want to do this now, I mean, oh, as... We all have to. We, no, I, look, look, look as, as Mr. Monopoly's official agent, I am <laughs> very happy to announce that he has officially been signed to Panini, wow. and um, he will make his rookie year appearance in this game yeah. as a collectible. You can see one of the designs right here, um, and you know I believe uh, there might be one of one yes. of him in specific designs. So be on the lookout for some insanely rare Mr. Monopoly rookie cards yeah. in the Prism Blaster Box. I don't know that like. I've ever seen a Mr. Monopoly baller version. Like, yeah, yeah, I didn't know he had handles Monopoly like that. Oh, dude, yeah, he's crazy. He's got a little Allen Iverson in him. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, how much of a greater appreciation did you gain, or the Panini team gain, about board games, and the Monopoly Hasbro people gain about the trading card space? Uh, man, it's uh, look. We we've tried to develop board games in the past. We we didn't do very well. So. I mean, just the process in terms of what they do and how they, you know, you know, develop and kind of play around with the concepts to figure out how it works is was really like eye-opening to me because, you know, we just never been a part of that process and and so and then trying to make it fit again into, you know, interjected into the sports category which has never been done before, never been done, right? Like, period. So never been done before. How do you interject it into the sports category and still hold true to the Monopoly brand and do those things that people understand the gameplay that they've played for 30, 40 years? So I think for me, like I've I, I have like such an excitement and appreciation for trading cards and collecting and stuff now. Like I don't think I like I used to collect it when I was a kid, right? And like then coming back into it now and seeing like all the different parallel variations and all the cool variety. Like if someone explained to you a parallel variation, you had no idea what it was. You'd think those people are insane. Like why does this, why does this matter? But then you see it in person, like you're like, this is awesome. Like seeing all the different color variations, collecting the set, having that collector mindset. And like, I, I've been going deep and like, you know, going into Reddit forums, like looking at all the, all the things people are posting about the rare cards and stuff that they have. Like when, when I get involved in something like this, like I go hard on it and learn everything I can possibly learn about it. And you know, turning into a collector myself and like having to be able to just love those things. And honestly, like my favorite part is like being a part of this and be able to put something out in the world that other people are gonna collect and be excited about. There's always an insane amount of energy around that and just feeling really happy to like see your baby go out there in the world and have other people interact with it. Yeah. And I think to Alex's point, the, that part was really hard, like in the process, because like everyone in this room understands parallels, like the, and what they mean and the value of yeah. various parallels, right? And so we're trying to explain it to Alex's team and the design team, the the idea of a parallel, and they're just like, well, I don't understand why is that one more valuable? And we're just because it is, like that's just the way it works in our industry. Like trust us, you know. And so like. 
you know, but it wasn't until you actually saw the designs like with the card, like, and obviously we're going through this very early stage, so there was no design elements at that point. You know, trying to talk through and explain like, no, this is how you do it. This is how we build the parallel. And like getting the, the whole design team to like fully understand and grasp that that's how you create value yeah. within, the, within the, the booster boxes. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for um, watching and listening to this episode of the Sports Card Strategy Show, where I basically gave you a behind-the-scenes look into the overview of this Prism Basketball Monopoly trading card game. Uh, I'm pretty fascinated by it. I would love to know your thoughts and comments on this, uh, who you think it benefits, who you think should be interested in this. Are you interested in it? Why are you interested in it? Is it something you would play with your kids? Is it something you would keep sealed as a long-term investment that you think could appreciate in value over time? Uh, or is it something that, you know, you'll kind of do both? Uh, or is it something that you'll just totally fade? Um, I think it's pretty cool. I'm fascinated that this kind of stuff is happening within the sports card world. A lot of great partnerships. Bringing it to the mainstream is what they say. And this is just another way to do it putting a partnership with Monopoly together. I thought um, Hasbro, Alex from Hasbro did a great job. All right, everybody, uh, more to come from the Mint Collective. I'm Paul Hickey with NoOffSeason.com and the Sports Card Strategy Show. Everybody have a great day.